Thanks. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. How are we? We're doing good this morning. Everybody good? All right. All right. All right. Well, that's great. That's great. Hey, let me ask you guys a question. How many put your hand up in the air? All right. Notice some hands are not going up. Notice the, and I feel like the people who have said no, you know, to Facebook, I feel like those are the revolutionaries. I mean, a lot of times it can be a dumpster fire. Um, but, uh, but some things on Facebook are great. Um, like, uh, like cat videos on Facebook. I love a good cat video, guys. I can watch cat videos all day long. I love them. Um, another thing that's great about Facebook that I love, I, I love when people update their relationship status on Facebook. I love to I love just sit behind the scenes and just kind of watch that and just how people respond to it. My favorite, though, is when people who have been married for years, for decades, finally update their Facebook status that they got married. You know, like we've just been practicing, but guys, it's official today. The 20 years was prep up to the moment we put it on Facebook, right? Um, my favorite relationship status is it's complicated. Because you're not, apparently you're not married, you're not single, you're not divorced, it's, it's just complicated. And um, I want to talk to us today about a relationship that we have that I think, I mean, me personally, maybe you would agree, that if I could update my relationship status about this particular relationship, it would probably, uh, it would probably be, and I would probably put it here and just leave it here, my relationship status would probably be, it's complicated, And the relationship that I'm talking about this morning is my relationship with this. Uh, Anybody just feel like just my relationship with my phone is complicated? Would anybody kind of agree with that a little bit? You know, it's just like you just can't seem to live without it, get away from it. You know, my relationship, maybe it's just me, my relationship with this is complicated. I wanted to see if I was alone, and so I actually uh, uh, just spent some time online and found that there was a research project a couple of years ago, a research project that studied a couple thousand Americans and our relationship with our phone. And listen to the research that was uncovered. It says this, Americans check their phone on average once every 12 minutes. Think about that. Now, if you do that, that, that turns out on average, you're checking your phone 80 times a day. Average American struggles to go a little more than 10 minutes without checking their phone. Of the 2,000 people that were surveyed, 1 in 10 check their phones on average every, look at this, 4 minutes. How long can the average person go away from their phone before they start to feel a little nervous? It's 4 hours. Here's this one, a couple couple more. 31% of people say they experience real anxiety without their phone. Look at this last one. 60% of people say they experience occasional stress when their phone is off or or just out of reach. You know, like my phone is from me from here to the front row and I can't reach it and I just begin to lose it a little, right? I mean, y'all, here's where we are as a culture. Did you know there are phone addiction treatment centers that you can go to? Did you know this? That's a real thing. You can book a vacation there if you'd like, right? So one of the reasons that that our phones can make us anxious is we're always wondering what people are saying. We're always wondering what people are, are talking about. We went on vacation this past summer, and we were, we were away. And, so, so, uh, and where we were, our phones didn't have, we didn't have Wi-Fi. They didn't, really, they, 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 they didn't really work. We didn't have any access to the Internet unless you, you know, just you know, paid for it, wanted it, or whatever. And I didn't. Most of us didn't. Um, so most of our phones just didn't work. We were no technology at all. About midway in the week, Seth, my son, he looks at me, and uh, we've been away from uh, everybody for a while. And he looks at me in the middle of the week. He says, Dad, I I don't even know what people think is funny anymore. 
right? And we want, to, we want to know what people are doing. We want people to know what we're doing, right? It's hard to even be in a moment today because we're thinking about sharing the moment. Or, or maybe it doesn't have anything to do with social media, but one of the things that our phones enable us to do now is we can work all the time, like literally nonstop. For a lot of us, your office is in your pocket because you can do it all right here. You can email, you can text, you can do research, you can download some apps so that your whole team can communicate nonstop if you want. Now, here's the thing. This is not, so if you're, if you're thinking this, this is not a sermon um, that's, that's anti-technology. At the end of this sermon, we're not going like, to like, set, set something on fire and ask everybody to come and put your phone in the fire and let's give it as an offering to the Lord. You know, we're not doing that today. All right, I've got a phone. I'm going to continue uh, to use it. Uh, but my relationship with my phone is complicated. Uh, like if, if, if I got a dollar for every time Elena has asked me to put my phone away, I mean, I, could, I couldn't go on a nice vacation with that amount of money, but I could buy, myself, I could buy a pretty good lunch. For all of us, probably. Um, but it's, it's just complicated, right? Or maybe, maybe it, it, nothing at all to do with your phone. Nothing at all to do with your phone. But for some reason, you are always on the inside rushed. On the inside, you are always anxious. You are always wound up on the inside. You can't say no to all the commitments that come your way. And even though you're sitting still right now, on the inside, you're not. And so what we're doing in this Replenish series is we're asking ourselves, did God create us to live that way? And the answer is no. God didn't make us to live this way. See, when you look at the scriptures, the men and women who really encountered God, they didn't do it running 100 miles an hour. They did it as they slowed down. So 1 Kings 19 is the story of Elijah, if you know that story. It's the story of Elijah literally comes off a mountaintop experience with God. Comes off of the Mount Carmel. He's just had a showdown with the prophets of Baal. And, and Elijah, the, God shows up. God shows that he's the one true and living God. It's an amazing thing in 1 Kings 18. Read it if you've never read that story. But after that amazing experience, there's this really evil woman named Jezebel. And she puts word out all through Israel and Jerusalem that she wants to kill Elijah. Elijah, here's what she's saying. She gets, he gets depressed. He gets anxious. He literally runs into the woods, finds a cave, and hides in that cave and begins to wish that he would die. And so God comes to Elijah right there in that cave. And, and God comes to him and says, Elijah, I don't know why you're in this cave. I want you to get up and walk out of this cave because I'm going to meet you on the outside of it. And so God tells Elijah that he's about to have this encounter with God, and so Elijah gets up and walks out of the cave, and suddenly there's this really strong, powerful wind that comes and just completely consumes Elijah, and God wasn't in the wind. And then there was a powerful earthquake. Everything around Elijah started to move, and God wasn't in the earthquake. And then the Bible says that there was fire, and somehow Elijah is mysteriously, supernaturally surrounded by fire, and God's not in the fire, there was all kinds of activity and the Bible says that God wasn't in any of it. And then it says that there was a whisper. And God spoke to Elijah in a whisper. Has anybody ever whispered to you? When somebody whispers to you, what do you got to do? You got to stop what you're doing and get real still and real quiet just so you can hear them, right? Because they're whispering. Or one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Psalm 46.10. Be still and know 
that I'm God. Well, Mark, why don't I feel God anymore? Mark, why doesn't God communicate to me anymore? Mark, why does it feel like I'm a million miles away from God? Are you still? Because God just seems to have a consistent track record of speaking and revealing himself in a whisper, in stillness, as we slow down, as we're still, all of a sudden that's the environment where we can know that God is God. And so what I want to do today is we're in the second part of this series. We're talking about taking care of our souls, being replenished on the inside. I want to figure out how to do that. I want to figure out how to be still and know that God is God. Now here's the problem that a lot of us have as Christians. A lot of, as, as Christians, we're always thinking about doing something. We're always thinking about what we've got to do. And so when we talk about taking care of our souls, here's what a lot of us think. And I know that a lot of people think this because people say this to me all the time. When we talk about taking care of our souls, we think, oh, you know what? I need to read my Bible more. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I know I need to, I need to really take care of my soul. I need to pray more. And listen, y'all, I am pro-Bible and prayer. But what if the problem is not that we, that we need to read our Bibles and pray more? What if the problem is that we don't know how to slow down and listen to God speak? I mean, think about it. Most of the time when we come to God, it's a pretty one-sided conversation, isn't it? We come to God, we got a grocery list of things that we want to talk to God about. We want God to do this. We want God to do this. We want God. We are always talking. Do you ever know somebody that just always talks and you can't get a word in? Don't look at them, right? Hello, hello. Don't look at them, right? I wonder if God's ever in heaven looking at us, looking at me where all I'm doing is talking and I want to hear God speak to me. I wonder if God ever looks down at us, says, I would love to talk to you, but you won't shut up. You're always talking. I can't get a word in edgewise. How do I do that? How do we do that? Listen, what we're going to talk about today all right, what we're going to talk about today is the hardest sermon in this whole series. It's the hardest sermon in the whole series. In fact, I'll even say this. This is the weirdest sermon in the whole series. Because everything in you and around you is going to tell you you can't do this. Everything in you and around you is going to tell you to not do this. But I'm telling us, I'm telling you, if you would lean in to what I think God has for our church right now, if you would lean in, even though there's going to be so many objections to why you can't do this right now, if we would lean in and say, all right, what would it look like if I were to try to start to be still so that I can know that God is God? What would that look like? I want to, just, I want to try to answer that for us today. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Psalm 131. All right? Psalm 131 is where we're going to be. Now, we're going to do something different here. We're going to read Psalm 131. It's just three verses. But we're going to read the whole Psalm 131, all three verses. First, in the English Standard Version. That's the translation that I use every single week. But then to help us get an, a, a, another grasp on it, maybe a better grasp, we're going to read it from a paraphrase of the Bible called the Message. Message just takes the Bible, puts it in common everyday English, try to help us to understand. All right? So we're going to read all three of these verses. So Psalm 131, ESV first. That's what's on the screen. Then in the Message. Let's read this. Watch this. This is David... King David, he's got things to do, he's got responsibilities, he's got deadlines, he's got a lot on his plate. Let's read. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. 
I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's read the same thing, but in the message. Now watch this one, all right? Here's the message. God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be the king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. Like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now and hope always. So I want to figure out how can we be still to know that God is God? How can we continue everything maybe that we're doing? Now God might speak to us and say, hey, listen, you're trying to put a lot in your schedule. You can't keep running at this pace. But how can you continue to meet your deadlines? How can you continue to raise the kids, get done everything that needs to get done? Listen to me, the the application of the message at the end isn't we're all going to quit our jobs, move into the woods and start a monastery. That's not what we're about to do today. All right, but how can we be still to know that God is God? How can we cultivate a quiet soul in the midst of everything around us on the inside? We are at peace. First thing, if that's going to happen to us, if we're going to be those kind of people, first thing we got to do is we've got to stop. Everybody say stop. We've got to stop. Stop. Verse 1, David says, David says, listen, Lord, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I'm not trying to be king of the mountain. And if we're honest, a lot of us are trying to do the exact thing David says he's not doing. We are trying to rule the roost. We are trying to be king of the mountain. We want to be the biggest, the baddest, the fastest. A lot of us are fueled and filled with ambition. And listen, there is nothing wrong with ambition, y'all. There is nothing wrong with work, productivity, creativity. God created us to work. God created us to be productive. God created us to create. God's a worker. God made us in His image. Those things are good. But like we talked about last week, God did not design us to do all those things and lose our soul at the same time. Ambition is a great thing, but listen, how many people know that ambition is easily tainted? Anybody know that? Man, we can do things for God, but on the inside, the real reason we're doing it is to be noticed and to fill up some void in our lives that we're trying to fill. Ambition is easily tainted. And David says, listen, if that's how we're going to run, if if everybody is going to live at this breakneck pace, try to rule the roost, be the biggest and the baddest, the fastest, the king of the mountain, y'all can have it, David says. Because David knows that there are some things that he's got to stop. What are some things we need to stop? I'll give us a couple. First thing that we need to stop is we need to stop chasing things that God hasn't told us to chase. We need to stop chasing things that God hasn't told us to chase. David says, listen, I'm not trying to be king of the mountain. I'm not lifting my heart up too high. I'm not going after all of these other things. And a lot of us are burned out. The reason that we can't say no, the reason that we're always running, is because we're chasing after something, and it might even be good, but God didn't tell us to chase it. Do you know why a lot of us chase things that God didn't tell us to chase? Because we have a wrong definition of success. Ask yourself this question. If you were successful, what would, what would you look like? If you were a success, 
what would, your life look, what would your life look like? If you're a parent, ask yourself this about your kids. If your kids were successful, what would, your, what would their lives look like? If your kids were a success, what would their life look like? Do we think about what it means to be a success? A lot of us, we have a monetary value strapped to success. So I'm a success when I make this much money. When I can drive this kind of car, when I can live and provide at this level, then I'm a success. That's why so many people feel crushed because on the opposite side of that coin, a lot of people look at themselves and then they look maybe at their friends or they look maybe at other people online and they say, wait a second, they're the same age as me and I don't make the money they make. I can't drive the car that they drive. I can't afford what they can afford. I'm not a success. And they just feel crushed under the weight of it. And a lot of us have a wrong definition of success. What is success? Here's the thing. Jesus told us what success was. Jesus tells a story in Matthew 25 about an owner. He's going to go away on a business trip, and he's got three employees. And before the owner goes away on that trip, he gives each employee's, uh, employee rather a different amount of money. And all he says is, hey, listen, I want you to use what I gave you. I want you to just be faithful with what, I've, with what I gave you. I'll come back. And he doesn't tell him when he's going to come back. The, the owner leaves, goes away on a business trip, and all three of those guys do different things with the money that the owner gave them. Now, if you know the story, the last guy doesn't do anything with his money. And if you know the story, it doesn't go well for that guy, okay? It doesn't go well for that guy at all. But the first two in the story, first guy goes out, gets the most amount of money, goes out, makes some investments, doubles his money. Second guy goes out, doesn't get as much money as the first, but doesn't seem to be jealous. They don't seem to compete, doesn't seem to compare himself to the first guy, doesn't get as much money as the first guy, but he goes out, makes some investments, doubles his money. All of a sudden, the owner comes back, calls all three together, and says, all right, tell me what you did with the money that I gave you. And the first guy steps up, and he says, listen, I took what you gave me, and I made some investments, and I doubled my money. And here's what the owner says. The owner looks back at that guy, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So he goes away, and then the second guy comes, doesn't make as much money as the first one, not as productive as the first one, doesn't accomplish as much as the first one. But he says, listen, I took the money that you gave me, and I invested it, and I doubled my money. I made more money. Now, he didn't make as much as the first guy, but he still doubled his money. And you know what the master said? Just because the guy was faithful with what the master gave him, the owner looks at that second guy and says what? Anybody know? Well done. Good. And faithful servant, you did what I wanted you to do. On the outside, would everybody have been impressed with you compared to the first guy? Maybe not. It doesn't matter. Because the one person that does matter, the master, looked over this guy's life, over those two guys' lives, and said, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I had for you to do. What is success? Here's what success is. Success is doing God's will, period. That's it. Success is doing God's will. Now, here's the thing. Is God's will for you the same as God's will for me? Tell me. It's not. It's not. Is God's will for me the same as God's will for you? No. And look at me. That's okay. Amen? You got to fit. You got to listen in the in the social media world that we live in. That's not OK, because I got to compete with you. I got to I got to be better than you. I got to impress you. And listen, I'm just telling you, that's the reason that so many of us are worn out and stressed out. We are chasing something God didn't tell us to chase. Success is God's will, period. I mean, there's freedom in that. But another thing we got to stop is we got to try, stop trying to be somebody God didn't tell us to be. 
We've got to stop trying to be somebody that God didn't tell us to be. Listen, if God wanted you to be them, who would you be? Them. But instead, you're who? You. So here's what you do. You be you. Because at the end of the day, that's the only person you can be. Isn't that right? At the end of the day, the only person you can be is you. Now, now, does everybody have, is everybody, does everybody have all the gifts that we could possibly have? Absolutely not. But God's given all of us gifts. Use the gifts that God's given you. Be who God has made you to be. If you come to the Emotionally Healthy Bible, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the midweek Bible study we're doing right now on Wednesday night, 630, I think everybody ought to come. But Wednesday night, we talked about David and Goliath. And David comes up to King Saul, and he says, listen, I can kill that giant for you. And Saul gives David the king's armor. Because if you're going to fight for the king, you got to put on the king's armor. And if you know the story, you know that David puts on that armor. And David, it says, just a scrawny little teenager. David puts on Saul's armor, and Saul's armor's too big, hangs off of him. David can't move. And because David, watch this, because David knows God, and David knows David. David says, this ain't me, Saul. This ain't me. And he has enough frame of reference to take off Saul's armor, be comfortable in his own skin, be comfortable with who God made David to be, takes off that armor, goes to the creek, gets five rocks, a couple minutes later, Goliath's dead. Hello? Why? Because David knew God. And David knew David. Man, some of us are trying too hard to be somebody God didn't create us to be. And I'm just telling you there is freedom in living for an audience of one. And if the main ambition of my life is to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, then I'm good. It might not go viral, and I may never get in a book. Nobody ever may, may ever know my name. But if he is satisfied, well done. If I can do God's will, then that's good enough. Amen? Amen? And you got to check your heart to get there, man. The world doesn't tell you to get there. The world will not tell you to stop. But God says there's some things you got to stop. And I don't know what it may be for you. It might not be these two things. Maybe it is. You're just filling your schedule with stuff you can't, you can't compete with. You can't meet those demands and you're running too hard. I don't know what it is to stop. But one, if we're going to be still, know God is God. First thing we got to do is stop. And then here's the hard one. And this is the big one. The next thing we got to do is slow down. We have to slow down. Look at verse 2 again in Psalm 131. David says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. In the message it says, I have cultivated a quiet heart. In other words, David did it on purpose. I've cultivated, I've built something in my life. Hey, listen, being still with God, being still to know that God is God, that peaceful soul, that quiet soul on the inside doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen over time. See, what happens if we slow down to be with God? What happens if you and I were to slow down to be with God? Well, there's several things that would happen. One, if we slow down to be with God, we'll learn how to be with God instead of always doing things for Him. We'll learn how to be with God instead of always doing things for Him. See, everything we do should flow out of being with God. And that's not just church stuff. That's raising your kids. That's at work. That's with your spouse. That's with your friends. That's online. Everything we do should flow out of being with God. That's why being is better than doing. If you're taking notes, write that down. Being is better than doing. Because there comes a point, if you just keep doing and doing and doing, there comes a point when you run out of gas and look at me. You can't give to other people what you don't have for yourself. Being is better than... Another thing that happens when I slow down to be with God is what's under the surface will come out. What's under the surface will come out. You know how we have a hard time with silence? 
with being still? Because a lot of times we don't like what we'll find when we get down there. See, when you get still and silent before the Lord, all of a sudden everything inside of us that we try to push down and ignore, all of a sudden it rises to the top. All your fears come to the top. Your insecurities come to the top. Your past wounds come to the top. Everything inside of you comes to the top. And listen, that's actually God bringing it to the top because if you will slow down and let God deal with you in those hidden places, all of a sudden we can begin to experience real change, but it can only happen as we slow down. I'll give you one more. Another thing that happens as I slow down to be with God is we give God space to remind us of everything we have in Christ. Because the world tells us that we are what we do, doesn't it? Second thing you ask somebody after you get somebody's name is what? What's your name? They tell you, then you ask them what? What do you do? What do you do? Right? The world tells us you are what you do. You are what you achieve. And God says, listen, I love you regardless of what you do. Jesus said it is finished before any of us did anything. Hello? Right? And and when I give God space, it reminds me of what I have in Jesus. So, how can we do this? Slow down. Well, God's given us a daily and a weekly rhythm. The daily rhythm, the daily rhythm that God's given us is silence or meditation. Silence or meditation is the daily rhythm that God has given us to slow down to know that God. Is God. So, so uh, this is something that Christians have done for centuries, for thousands of years. Silence, meditation, to, to just try to, try to be still and focus on who God is and what he's done in their lives. Now, when I say the word meditation, I don't mean new age meditation where you pull out your crystals and you're trying to get in touch with yourself, something inside there. Listen, thanks a lot, Oprah, but we don't need that, okay? Hello? Right? I mean, thank you, but that's not what we're talking about. All right, we're not trying to get in touch with something inside of us. We're talking about focusing on who God is. This is driven by Scripture. Silence meditation is driven by Scripture. Now, here's what a lot of people think. Some of you are thinking this. Oh, well, I already do that. I read my Bible. This is different than reading your Bible. Listen, look at me. Some of you have never heard this. In the 930, this seems to stick with some people, so let me say this again. The goal is not to read your Bible. If you already have that habit cultivated, you know, maybe you're reading Summit Summit devotionals in the Summit app. Maybe you're in a Bible reading plan or you're using your Bible app. The goal is not to read your Bible. Man, I know people who have read their Bible every day for 20 years mean as a snake. Hello? Right? Right? A lot of them are pastors. Oh, my gosh. Look at me. The goal is not to check something off your spiritual to-do list. The goal is not to read your Bible. The goal is to be with God. Man, the difference is revolutionary, guys. We should preach a whole sermon on that someday. Not today, but maybe we need to read. The goal is not to read your Bible. I did it. I read read my Bible every day, but what's going on inside of you? I'm talking about slowing down to be with God. I'll tell you what this looks like. So so just for me, and and adapt this however, adapt this however is going to work for you. I wake up really early in the morning. I have a a same chair that I sit in every single morning, me and a cup of coffee, and I sit down in that chair, and I say, God, speak to me right now. I want to listen to you. And I just, for about a minute, I'll just get silent before God. I just get silent before God. And, And what I'm doing in that minute is I'm reminding myself that all I've done today is woke up. I haven't accomplished anything, and God already loves me. I haven't done any, I haven't knocked anything off my to-do list. God already loves me. And then I'll just open up the scriptures and I'm reading it slowly. Like right now I'm reading through Psalms. 
You know, so whatever you're doing, if you're doing something, uh, do that. If you don't know where to start, go to the welcome table after church. We've got all kinds of devotional plans. Download the Summit app or whatever. We can help you with that. But I'm just reading slowly. And you know how when you're reading the Bible and if you're really open to the Holy Spirit, man, the Holy Spirit will just cause words or phrases or verses just to jump out at you as you're reading the Bible. You know what I'm talking about? Just something that speaks to you and that sort of thing. And so I'm just, I just write in my journal. This is what God is showing me. This is where it applies to me. And then another thing that I'm writing down, I'm writing down anything that's going on inside of me. I'm scared about this. I'm nervous about this. Uh, I lost my temper yesterday about this, and I'm really angry about it. And so then I'll just take some time in prayer and just pray over those things that God spoke to me about, what's going on inside of me. Pray for Elena, our kids, a few things about the church, and then another minute or two of silence. Say that no matter what happens today, I am loved by God. No matter what happens today, I am loved by God. And listen, you can make that last as long or as short as you want it to. But the goal is simply to be with the Lord. But not one time, not just one time during the day, because there's 24 hours in a day, right? I spent five minutes with God. Bro, you got a long time to go. Better have been a powerful five minutes, right? God wants us to learn how to live in his presence. So, so he says things like, whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord, or walk by the Spirit. So, so God wants us to begin to learn how to live and enjoy his presence. And so the beautiful thing we're talking about here, silence and meditation, you can do this at school. Man, you're in class and you're about to take a test, or maybe you're in the middle of taking a test, and you're just, man, just the fear of that test just begins to drown you. You can take a deep breath in, and in that moment, just remind yourself, I'm not alone. God is with me right here. You're at home at night and you're about to lose it with your kids and sell them on eBay. You can just take a deep breath. Say, Jesus, help me. You're about to make a decision that nobody knows about, but God would know about it and it would break God's heart and it would devastate you. And in that moment, God is so with you, you can pause and you can say, Jesus, get me out of this temptation. And what's beautiful is we're learning how to live in the presence of the Lord. And God wants to teach us that. I love this. This is how David puts it. Psalm 55, 17. Evening, morning, and noon. Do you hear that? Evening, morning, and noon. Evening, morning, and noon. I cry out in distress. He hears my voice. So in the morning, at lunch, wherever. I mean, I'm crying out to God. God is with me. So, so one, be still. How can I do it? Silence, meditation. Here's another one. Sabbath. Sabbath is the weekly rhythm. So daily, silence, meditation. Weekly rhythm is the rhythm of Sabbath. In the Old Testament, God worked for six days. And then in Genesis 2, it says that he rested. Why did God rest? After God created everything, is God in the corner? <gasps> God's winded, right? Needs a Gatorade. It's not, that's not what happens. No, when, when God rests in Genesis 2, literally God looks back and he smiles. And he's just enjoying what he just made. Right? Man, my wife can stand up here and tell you that I am the most unhandy person that God has ever made. We have made decisions as a family on to not buy things because I cannot put it together. Like, if you can't fix it with duct tape, it ain't going to happen. All right? But like, listen, when I build something by the instructions, man, I step back and I look at it. I look at it and I'm saying, boy, you all right. That's pretty good right there. That's what God is doing. God is stepping back saying, yes, and he's just enjoying his creation. Longest of the Ten Commandments is the one about Sabbath. Look what Jesus said about Sabbath, Mark chapter 2, 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man, 
for the Sabbath. So in other words, the Sabbath isn't this rule or something God's punishing us with. The Sabbath is a gift. Jesus says, listen, I'm giving you a gift. So what is the Sabbath? Here's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is a 24-hour period where God tells his people to stop, be with him, and enjoy his creation. To stop, be with him, and enjoy his creation. So, so stop. I've still got things to do, still on my to-do list, but you know what? I'm going to take some time and remind myself that in the, at the end of the day, God takes care of me. God meets my needs. God provides. Israel, they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, and one of the first things that God told them when they got out of slavery was God told them, I want you to begin to learn that I love you, that I care for you, and I provide for you. And the way God told them to learn that was take 24 hours a week off and rest in what God has done. So, so I'm going to stop, then I'm going to be with God. I'm going to be with God. That's why a lot of us, uh, the best time to do this for a lot of people is Sunday. Because we just have this rhythm of going to church anyway, we're worshiping, that sort of thing. But also maybe you listen to worship music to help you uh, get ready for the day or, or a lot during the week just to help you connect with God. Maybe on Sunday or whatever you're listening to more worship music. Or maybe uh, you read scripture throughout the week. Hopefully you've got that habit. Maybe you cultivate some more time to do that on Sunday. But there's just being with God. Okay, so when we talk about being with God on the Sabbath, it's not you're in the back room with the lights off, you got some candles lit, and you're just chanting for 24 hours, right? Um, it's not it. It's not it. Stop them, be with God. And then I never hear Christians talk about this. Is there anybody in here, you would just raise your hand. You're not bragging, you're not boastful, man. God's just good. You'd say, God's given, God's given me some good things in my life. Raise your hand if that's you. Look at that. That's great. On the Sabbath, enjoy those things. You got kids? Play with them. You're married? Enjoy. Spend some time with your spouse. If going outside just fuels your tank, you love to be in God's creation, then get outside. Watch a good film. Read a book. Spend some time with life-giving friends. Eat a meal. Maybe eat that meal slower just to enjoy how God provided that meal for you. But it's a time where you are preaching to your own soul, God takes care of me at the end of the day. Listen. There is the looks on some of y'all's faces right now say it all. There is nothing like this in the world. When most Christians think of what makes them different, here's what a lot of Christians think. I don't smoke, drink, chew, or date girls that do. That's what makes me different. Jesus died so I'd live that way. I'm telling you, something, just, something about you stands out when in the middle of a world that runs 100 miles an hour and willing to lose their soul, if you would say, you know what, today is Sabbath. Today is a day under the Lord our God because at the end of the day, God provides for me and my family. I am telling you, that is countercultural. I love this quote. This is from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality as well, Wednesday nights. I love this quote. The Sabbath calls us to build the doing of nothing into our schedules each week. Nothing measurable is accomplished by the world's standards. It is inefficient, unproductive, and useless. As one theologian has stated, to fail to see the value of simply being with God and doing nothing is to miss the heart of Christianity. So here's the deal. This is so weird. you got to give yourself a lot of grace, guys, to pull this off. All right. Now, some of you, maybe your work situation, you literally cannot do a 24-hour Sabbath or maybe just the season of your life, depending on the age of your kids or maybe some things going on in your family, that sort of thing. Man, man you got to give yourself some grace here. So you can't do 24 hours, maybe you can do one hour. 
Maybe you can do two hours or whatever. Give yourself a lot of grace here and just try some things out. Try to see how God would begin to use this in your life. Now, some of you are thinking this. Some of you are thinking, there is no way I'm even going to consider doing that. i got too much stuff to do. If I don't do everything i got to do, then, bro, it don't happen. So I'm not even going to talk about, I'm not even going to think about doing what you're telling me to do. And I would challenge you with this. If you will honor God in this way, if you will begin to try to build Sabbath and silence, solitude, meditation into your life, I promise, watch this, I promise, watch this, try it for a month, come to me and see, see if you don't say this to me. If you try this for four weeks, I guarantee you'll look back and you'll say, you know what, because I'm, I'm trying to do this, my work has a sharper edge more focus, and more power than it ever had before. Why? Because there is a supernatural strength being fueled into your work. I promise you'll experience that. They say, Mark, I'm willing to try. Where do I start? I don't know how to start something like this. I want to challenge our whole church to do this. I want to challenge our entire church to try to take 24 hours off of this. In the 930 service, somebody passed out. It was crazy. Um, (laughs) You, you can feel the oxygen. I promise, I promise in the 930 service when I said that, somebody, I don't know who, but it was on this side, somebody in the 930 literally went, oh. <laughs> they, they probably just switched churches. And um, 24 hours off this, all right? Now, if you can't, because it's so connected to your work, 24 hours off social media. And watch what happens as you try to intentionally take 24 hours to detox your soul. But I got to know what people are doing. I got to post something so that people will like it. In 24 hours, you are preaching to yourself, God is for me. Who can be against me? I want to challenge you to do that. To 24 hours, and whenever, whenever you want to do it, or again, start small, maybe an hour, maybe two, maybe 30 minutes. Instead of scrolling on Facebook, you're going to spend that time with the Lord in silence, solitude, and just in His presence. But begin to try to build that into your life. But here's what some of you are thinking, then we're done. Some of you are thinking this. This is not what I needed to hear, bro. I didn't come to hear some weird message about Sabbath, silence, and solitude. I needed to hear a message about my family because my kids are making horrible decisions, and I feel like my family's being torn apart. I need to hear your cute little sermon today about silence, Sabbath, and solitude because I feel like my marriage is falling apart. I got a decision to make and I don't know what to do. I feel like God has abandoned me. I am so confused. I am so broken. I am so hurt. Mark, I'm sure that that message was needed by somebody, not me. So I want to ask you a question. Where do you need God to speak to you right now? Maybe it's about your kids. Maybe it's about your marriage, your finances. Maybe it's about your future. Maybe it's it's something about your past. Where do you need God to speak to you right now? Now, let me ask you this. If God were to speak to you, would you even hear it? Or are you going so fast and so hard you would miss it? Or has sin and just a bunch of stuff just clogged up your heart? And if God were to speak to you in that place, you wouldn't hear it. But I am telling you that one word from God, if the word of God created the universe, a word from God can change your life 
How can I hear that word? Apparently, God likes to speak in a slowed down, still whisper. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take about 30 seconds of just silence. 30 seconds of doing nothing. And just... So whatever that area is, you're going to lift that up to God. Or begin to ask God, God, speak to me in this area. Or maybe, God, how can I start to do this? Because, God, I need you to speak. God, I need you to move, and I want to experience you and encounter you and see you work. But, God, you're telling me to slow down. What does this look like? Let's just take 30 seconds to be still before God. Oh, God, we have been so busy. I have been so busy that I've missed you. And I needed you to say something to me. And we needed you to say something to us. And somewhere along the way, we got caught up. And we got distracted. And and maybe it was really important. Or maybe it seemed important, but in the scheme of things, it wasn't. But God, right now, we need you to speak. Right now, we need you to move. And God... What you've said to us today is that you speak as we're still, as we're not trying to achieve, impress, perform, be noticed. You speak in a still whisper. And God, the worst thing we could do is to gain the whole world and achieve it all, have the most followers, be the most popular, climb the corporate ladder, have it all. And we missed you. Every head bowed with every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Mark, there's somewhere in my life I need God to speak. I need God to speak to me in a specific area of my life. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I just need God to speak in a specific area. Hands all over, all over this room, man, are going up right now. God, would you speak? Whatever that is, speak. Speak. And God, you might not speak right now in this moment. That's what we want, but you might not do it. You might test us to see if we'll slow down after this moment. So is there anybody here? If you're here today and you say, this is, God is speaking to me and God is telling me to slow down. I need prayer that that I would slow down. I don't even know what that looks like yet, but I need to slow down and hear from God. If that's you, just raise your hand right now so we can pray for you. Man, all over this room. God, help us to do that. Help us to be people. That, that the thing that marks our lives is the presence of God. But how can it if we're never with you? So God, help us to slow down and be still and know that you are God. And whatever this looks like, silence and meditation and and being in your presence Sabbath whatever that begins to look like God don't let this end here today we need you Jesus there's some people in this room if you don't come through in the situation they're in if you don't bring them out I can't imagine where they're going to be in a year I just pray I just pray God, there is somebody in this room and they are just running after something right now. 
And everybody around them says it's okay, and the world says it's okay. And inside, it might even feel right, but God, you are screaming today for them to slow down. God, I pray that they would slow down. You might be here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. If today, for the very first time, you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you want to make Him your Lord and Savior, I'm not talking about being a good person or believing even that God is real. I'm talking about a relationship with God. If you want that, I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me right now. I give my life to you today for the first time. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to ask everybody right now, um, somewhere around you is a connection card. Would you just grab that card there? It's in the back of the seat, in front of you, or maybe on your seat. We ask everybody to do this every week. One of the reasons that I believe that today is significant is because I want to challenge you if God is telling you you got to slow down if God's telling you that I would love to talk to you today I'm going to be at the welcome area and I'd love to talk to you after church but if you're not willing to do that you're slow down maybe talk to be specific about what you got to I would love for you to put that on your connection card God's telling me I got to slow down maybe even be specific about what you got to slow down from God's telling me to do this I I got to listen to him. If you gave your life to Jesus today on the back of that card, plenty of space for you to let us know any decision that you made. If you want to serve, maybe you want to be baptized or become a partner, member of of Summit, just check that on the back of that box. And our ushers are going to get in place right now. So those men and women who are going to help us receive our offering, you you guys can get in place. And, And as we're giving, you can just drop those cards in that basket today. And this is a moment right here where every week we have a moment in giving that can change our hearts and change other people. Giving changes our hearts because it says to us, life's not all about what we have and the stuff we can buy and get. Life, real life, is found connected in Jesus. And Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So. It,